Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow This is uh, this is the catch on Blog Talk Radio, and we are talking about what it takes to uh, to make the world better. And uh, we have a, a guest tonight who has been doing what he's been doing pretty consistently. Um, for the last at least 40 years, I don't know, maybe more than that, 45, I'm losing track. But um, uh, this brother, I tell you, uh, has gone through the Jesus movement and he's still in it. Um, nothing, I think, has changed that much, um, mainly because uh, he's just still listening to the Holy Spirit and and what the Spirit tells him to do. He's still in uh, Chicago, inner city Chicago, where he, where he uh, struggled and grew up and found the Lord, and uh, now he's uh, now he's still there. I love what it says uh, on his bio: Glenn and his family have lived in Chicago, inner city, for over 30 years, doing mission work with people who live as he once did. And uh, I think that's the. The thing I love about Glenn is he's doing music. He's a blues artist. He, he's an amazing guitar player, songwriter, singer. Um, and uh, But on top of all that, he's, uh, he's, he's a minister, and he's a, a pastor to uh, tons of people and basically helping people get back on track um, wherever they find them in, in, in life. And um, and he and his wife are just doing that on a regular basis. I I know they have a pretty pretty big staff, so he's not doing it all on, on his own. But he's got people around him, and uh, uh, I wish we had time to hear all about that. But we want to talk about some specific things that we've been discussing here at the catch uh, lately. So. Um, Without any further ado, uh, I want to welcome my good brother, Glenn Kaiser of Res, Res Band, um, to the catch. Glenn, welcome. My pleasure, John. Always a treat to chat with you, bro. Yeah, yeah. We've, Glenn, we've, we have been talking a lot about the Jesus movement these days, and that's because I think we feel like um, there there's something in the air and that uh, especially as we have gotten to know um, a lot of the 20, like 18 to 25 year olds, the millennial, what we call still call them millennials, I think. Um, as we get to know these, these people, um, we, see many of actually the same hungers that we had uh, 
when when we were their age, and we also see a certain dissatisfaction with uh, institutional uh, Christianity and um, in, and in some ways the institutional church, but a fascination again with Jesus and with the truth and finding real. Uh, I'd, I'd say more than anything, just reality, people being real with people. And, um, and, uh, so we, we're pretty excited about where we're at right now. And so we wanted to explore some of those things with people like you, Glenn, and others who were around and were actually prophetic voices back then in the Jesus movement. So I, I've got a few questions. I, I just love to hear you, hear you, uh, talk on and, uh, uh, I want to start right off with with how you, how would you describe the Jesus movement and and uh, why do you think it happened why why was it needed at that time? Well, John, I can I can answer that two part, part question very quickly uh, by telling us first by telling the story Jim Jim Palisari, who was the main uh, leader and founder of Jesus People in Milwaukee, which is where Jesus People USA, our our community, our fellowship in in Chicago, actually began, and uh, where Res Band was formed. At at one point, this was back in 71, a reporter stuck her mic up in Jim's face and just bluntly said, okay, what is the Jesus movement? And he looked at her and dead serious said, Jesus moving. (laughs) <laughs> and I was standing off to the side. I just started laughing because I mean it. I mean that's it. It's when yep. God sovereignly decides to do something, it's going to happen, and He does it, and that's that. You know, the second side of it is is that you know you remember as I do. This was a time in the mid the late sixties, early seventies when you and I. And a whole lot of people, like thousands of, of students, younger people, street people, um, people in the streets, they, we were marching uh, against racism. Uh, riots were happening in the inner cities. Uh, Vietnam War was going on, and uh, many, many uh, protests and marches about that. Kent State happened. National Guard uh, took some lives. Mm-hmm. Um, the institutions that seemed to bring a sense of stability and prosperity immediately after the Korean War um, kind of gave way because most of our, the young folks, like myself and, and maybe yourself, we grew up in a situation where we had everything, most everything anyway, material, uh, mm-hmm. stuff. You know, we, most mm-hmm. of us weren't starving most of the time. Uh, we had food, we had a house, you know, mom and dad had a decent job, or at least dad, and maybe mom didn't even have to work. And so the economy seemed settled, and there was, quote-unquote, peace and prosperity. We had everything, but yet we had nothing. And there was this deep gut emptiness on top of, you know, people start getting drafted and, and coming back in pine boxes, and all of a sudden, on network news, we see F-16s 
and folks are dropping napalm, and we're like, why are we even in this conflict? And I think it was a combination of all of those things to where we had everything, but if you were in Britain or maybe you know Australia or New Zealand, you'd say we were gutted. We were dead, hmm. worn, slam hmm. out, tired. We had done everything, tried everything. Throw in their Eastern religions. Throw in, you know, more and more mm-hmm. drug use. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was, I was an addict. And a lot of this came out of all mm. sorts of addiction. You know, we'd, we'd move from, from booze to, to pot to hash, you know, to, to speed, uppers, downers, acid, and maybe in some cases finally heroin and so forth. And you finally get to the place where we've done everything, and so we might as well throw in a bunch of dope because we're still not at peace. We're still not fulfilled. We're not happy. Why are mm-hmm. we here, you know? And then on top of it, all of that chaos and bloodshed and war and brutality and violence. Now, just before we came on air today, I see a news flash where about 130 miles northwest of Sacramento, a school gets shot up and some kids get killed. And, of course, oh, not no. too long ago, it was the church in Texas. And before that, it was the crazy guy up in Nevada you know, and the, now I'm 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 not a, I'm not a pacifist. Okay, I shoot, I hunt, uh, I pray for military people. I'm simply saying, I'm simply saying that finances, economy, money, uh, political and and military power don't don't answer the deeper need. And and when people are being yeah. Uh, killed and slaughtered in wars and just, you know, somebody comes in with a bunch of weapons or a dirty bomb shoots up a bunch of people, suicide uh, bombing, all this. That's what makes me think uh, there's a whole lot of younger folks that are looking at all this saying, hey, guys, it ain't working. It Whatever it is that we've been doing, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's politically or elsewhere, what, why am I on this earth? What is the point? Uh, suicide rates climbing like crazy um, in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Veterans, um, young kids, you know, in, in 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 primary and secondary school taking their lives. Unfortunately, John, as you probably are aware, and a number of people listen to this, you study the history of missions. And you study the history of what we, I, I think it's a misnomer, but we say revival. Um, because really what we mean is first-time commitments to Jesus, for people that never really were followers of Jesus at all. I think revival would be better used for folks that went to church or, or you know, considered themselves Christians who actually got, became alive in their relationship mm-hmm. to Jesus and others, you know, knowing and following God and loving their neighbor for a change. That's revival. But anyway... Massive conversions in history, most of the time, come after plagues or in the middle of them, wars, Mm. uh, serious uh, institutions caving in and blowing apart. And, gee, Mm. now how does that relate to what's going on right now? (laughs) That's my (laughs) Yeah. 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 
I, 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 well, that's exactly what uh, the next question I wanted to ask you is how, how do those times compare to today? Um, and uh, you've, uh, you've really started to answer it there. What are, what are the, some of the things that, that you think um, uh, are, are, the, are the same today and that, that might, might create this same emptiness and this same hunger that people in people? Well, again, there apparently people can, you know, there are the two great theologies, and people want to argue, you know, the sovereignty of God and and free will. And to me, yeah. you know, that's it's an unanswerable tension. Uh, though I very much lean to the free the free will side, Wesley himself would never have disagreed and didn't disagree with uh, the sovereignty of God. But apparently God has given human beings a whole lot of uh, leeway to make choices and decisions. It's all over the mm-hmm. New Testament as well as the Old. And it's not the mm-hmm. will of God for people to be violent and, and just out-and-out out nasty and mean. But, of course, what, what, what's in the culture? Not just political culture. I mean, but that's obvious, right? Not just in U.S., but in the U.K. and other places. There's such a sense of anger and violence, and uh, you know I'm I'm mad as H, and I ain't taking it no more. You know, and people are just mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. off on each other. And I think that what happened with the hippies, myself, the street people, the the kids, the students, back in the late '60s, early '70s, we were trying really hard to find. Are you ready for this? Faith, hope, and love. How can you have faith mm-hmm. in in the system, and and then but then if you're not careful, <laughs> I frankly don't believe uh, flawed, imperfect people like me, you, and all of us are going to come up with a perfect system. And if form could ever equal substance, in and of itself, maybe if we came up or discovered with you know came up with or discovered the perfect form. Now we can come up with the perfect system. Well, that's not going to happen. It never has. Study human history from the beginning to today, and that's not going to mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. So where do we get hope? Where do we get hope? What is it? What is it? Faith in who? Faith in what? And 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 so there's mm-hmm. that hopelessness, which finally you finally you have to go to the the, the sum of it all. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> yeah, good question. You know, it's, where's the love? What is love? What does it even mean? And I think for so many of us, John, in the Jesus movement, that's when the lights began to come on. When you, you notice that when Jesus talks about the prodigal son, he never says anything like, um, you know, the Holy Spirit showed up or the guy had an epiphany. or I mean, that's what's going on, apparently. It, the words Jesus uses as he tells the parable are simply when he came to himself. When he when he when he finally saw himself as he was, you talk about at the top of this show. You talked about being real and reality. Mm-hmm. The hard mm-hmm. part is is getting us, as you know, midwestern midwestern nomenclature. You get a snootful of yourself <laughs> when you finally mm-hmm. when you finally look at yourself in the mirror, as James Book of James says, and you and you walk away going, "Whew, that's me." 
you know, when you finally realize you're, you're coming up empty and you're going to continue to come up empty, the fulfillment, as, as those of us who follow Jesus and really know him and in relationship with him daily experience him, the reality is we, we are insufficient. There's a verse that says our sufficiency is of God. And, when, and it's only there. It's only in relation to him. And, and so when and I'm convinced of that. So, you know, when Jesus says, he, he says when he came to himself, that's when he decided to come home to his father. Right? And, and then it's interesting, the only spiritual talk, the only overt sort of, you know, church talk, church speak, whatever, in that entire parable. And remember, the Lord, Jesus himself, is the one who's saying this. The kid, before he goes home, He's laying there in, in basically in his version of the gutter, the, you know, the, the pigsty, hungry, miserable mm-hmm. from hunger. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll go home to my father and, and I'll say, I have sinned against, and here's the word, heaven and you. Hmm. you know, just take me back as, as a hired hand. I don't, I, you know, I don't need for you to even look at me as your son anymore. I get it. I've totally blown it, right? So I just, I'll just i just come back and, and grovel. That's the only, heaven is the only term. And, and it's him rehearsing what he's going to say to his dad. And, of course, the kid never got a word out because when you read mm-hmm. through the Gospels, it's obvious, right? He goes home, the dad's waiting for him to receive him, to take him in. The kid never even got to rattle off his speech. And I just think, mm-hmm. you know... Just as I am without one plea, you know, <laughs> that old hymn. Yeah. So I think you almost yeah. get the, 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 the trash kicked out of you, and finally you, one day you wake up and go, I can't do this anymore. I just can't, I can't stand it. I look at the world around me. I, I look at the breakup of our family, our neighborhoods, our city, our country. You know, some dude in North Korea could push a button at any time. Uh, whether you love them or hate them, the White House is, is a bit of a shambles. There's a lot of craziness going on in this country, and we finally get to the place where there's no, there's nothing left. What's left? Mm-hmm. Faith, hope, and love. And, you know, yeah, right. Where's that? Yeah. Well, it's in Jesus. Yeah. It's really, it, it, you have to come to God. You have to ultimately quit pretending you're God. Yeah. You, you're not deity, and nobody in power is either, except the Lord himself. Yeah, so... I think that's the that's the punchline to the whole schmeal, John. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, what when you see the world unraveling the way it is right now, and just hearing you talk, that 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 word kept popping in my mind. It just it just feels like so much is unraveling. What what can we do? How how can we make a difference? Just just any one of us. Um, give us some help here. Well, love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, mm-hmm. actually take the time to listen to your neighbor. Actually, sit, sit down and have, have a meal with them. Invite them in. You know, you, you, you bring the food, right? Mm-hmm. You pay, you pay for the coffee and the, you know, and, and, and the bakery at the coffee shop. You sit down Look that person in the eyes, ask questions, interact, be there for them, you know, learn to be a friend. Uh, there's a verse that's come to my mind the last few days again um, that just has popped up fresh. A friend 
must show himself to be friendly. And there are people in this mm. world who are so lonely and so hurting. I mean, I, you know, the reason people, re- there's a lot of reasons why people relate to blues music. Yeah, and uh, as I often say, the book of Psalms, it's you know, biggest category there are laments. Uh, there's a lot of pain, a lot mm-hmm. of hurt, a lot mm-hmm. of loneliness, a lot of nobody gives a rip whether I live or die. So I might as well kill myself because what's you know, there's no point in going on. I, I tried that once. I was there before I came to Jesus. I was right there. And, and, and so I understand that it's hard and we have our own focus and, you know, I gotta, I gotta do the laundry today and, you know, the weekend comes and I'm tired from my nine to five or maybe that in mm. a part-time job and blah, blah, blah. There's a thousand reasons to shut down. Mm. And John, I think what's happened is instead of, instead of inviting people in, which by the way, the millennials and others are, that's all they've got. That's all they've got. Hmm. And, and, and really what they're shooting at is what the scriptures would refer to as, as in English, fellowship or koinonia. But it's deeper, mm-hmm. it, and it has to be deeper than we like the same music, same clothes, same, you know, the same latte mm-hmm. <laughs> blend. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it has to go beyond culture, subculture, you know, whatever, hairstyles. It, 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 and we all know it, but how do you get there? I mean, that's probably what you're asking. But I think it's, and how can I serve you? How can I, can I encourage you? There's, what do you need? If I can't help you, maybe I can link you with somebody who can. And, and reaching out, and you're not here for yourself. I mean, I just think so much of it is selfishness, which chokes the church. Listen, part of the reason I mean, I, I'm right, we're part of the EV, EV Covenant denomination, and, and I've been an ordained minister in EV Covenant for years now. And uh-huh. look, look, uh, the biggest challenge against traditional church is the house church movement. Part of what they're looking for is eight or ten people in somebody's front room and more face-to-face and intimacy and openness and honesty. Now, few years down the track, a whole lot of them realize that isn't doing it either. Because again, form doesn't equal substance. But what they're going for, and I agree, and you can have it in both places, you can have it anywhere, but it, it takes effort and it takes time and that's intimacy and community and relationship. And of course, when you begin mm. to have that, when you open up to that, when you offer that to others, it is the exact opposite of a lot of what I think we see in the culture now, which hmm. <laughs> unfortunately is I got a castle. Um, I build a, I build a deeper moat. I get cro- crocodiles in there and more water, a nice drawbridge. Hmm. I get a few buddies up on the parapet with uh, hot oil and <laughs> archers <laughs> and catapults. And, and when I think I'm being attacked, when we freak out about, oh, this is rough, we just pull that drawbridge up and shut ourselves off. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people seem to be doing, even even yeah. in the church world. And I see it among house churches yeah. as much as I see it in the, in the quote-unquote institutional megachurch. So to me, again, it, what I'm telling you, John, is I don't think the answer is form. I think the answer is right. me loving my neighbor and listening and inviting them in and and sitting down and hanging out with them and taking the long walk. 
and the long view and not this drive-by evangelism, pop, pop, pop. Mm-hmm. Get this guy to pray mm-hmm. to prayer and go on to the, next, to the next person. To me, it's that lack of, I'm here for you, and I'm here for you next month, next yeah. year, next decade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, what, Glenn, what do you, what do you see as um, some of the greatest dangers facing modern Christianity right now? And, uh, and maybe oh, uh, right on the tail of, of that, of what are the greatest possibilities? Go ahead. Yeah, lack of humility is the biggest, uh, to me, the biggest just glaring I constantly go back to 1 Corinthians 13, which so defines what love is and what love ain't. Okay? Love is patient. Mm. Love is kind. Uh, that's, not, that's not East Coast snowflake liberalism. It is, it's Bible 101. Chew it. Yeah? Mm. That's what it boils to. Love is patient, and maybe if we were more patient, we'd be more kind. And, and Paul, hmm. the apostle, is defining God's own character, God's nature, God's love. Is that what we're seeing in the culture? Is that what we're seeing in Facebook? We're seeing hmm. people pull that hmm. gun, pop that safety off, and just unload as quick as we can. It is all about yeah. offense and being offensive hmm. in, in the most offense. I mean that in the negative sense. And I just think instead of love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't seek its own, we are just, Mm. we're so full of ourselves. It's just arrogance, uh, lack of humility. Now, Mm. in that same chapter, it says, I have in part, I, individually, and we, we have partial Mm -hmm. knowledge, partial revelation. I mean, most of the preachers, including myself, if I'm not careful, uh, bloggers, again, including myself, if I'm not careful, uh, Bible scholars, profs in seminary, Bible schools, and sitting around the couch in house church movement. We sound like we've got all the answers. We've got it all figured out. Our theology wow. is perfect. Our doctrine is exact. Mm-hmm. And then we about kill over our methods, methodology. I yeah. think you and I have had that conversation before. And I think that that yeah. stuff what, really, it's, it's pride, 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 arrogance, 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 instead of them face-to-face, now through a glass star. No, I don't have all the answers. I'm not sure if I can answer that specific question, but here's what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. and maybe in five years I'll have learned a few things. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. this is where I'm coming from. That kind of humility is sorely lacking in Christianity and among believers these days. And and I think Mm -hmm. it is such a, it's like a stick in the eye to people out there Mm -hmm. that are confused and hurting. And, you know, show me, don't show me that you know, help me to understand Mm -hmm. that you actually love me, that you care, that you care about me. That's so, so good and so true. Glenn, where does humility come from? <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> um, okay, my my best my best description is me on this one. I'm thinking you're the greatest singer, the greatest musician, 
you know, you're the sharpest tool in the box. Uh, you gotta, you got to figure it out. Nobody needs to tell you anything because you already know it all. And, when, and again, Jim Paul used to say, when you, when you know it all, you just know it all. And right on the heels of that, uh, overdosing three times from drug addiction, attempting a suicide and being such a flub I couldn't even pull that off, uh, hmm. you know, I would be something like 16, I counted it up once, and something like 16, between 16 and 18 bands in about 16, or I mean about six years, I don't know, between the time I was 13 and 18, right? I mean, I had two girlfriends and was in three bands at one time, and I just kept, I quit these, I quit. I never do, I was never consistent. My only consistency was that I was totally inconsistent. And one day, mm-hmm. I, like the prodigal, you know, starving to death and, you know, sick of eating mud, I looked at myself in the mirror and I can't stand me and I have no control and I'm an addict and I realize how many people I'm taking down with me. Small-time dope dealer, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm just a train wreck. I'm, an, I'm judging everybody on the block, up and down my little suburban block in Wisconsin, in West Dallas, a suburb of Milwaukee, and I'm realizing I'm a worse train wreck than any of them. Who am I to judge them? Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm more of a mess than they are, and I'm messing up their kids by, by living when I'm, I mean, I'm an evangelist for hell, right? I mean, that's what I'm doing. That's, that's, nobody told me that, and I wasn't going to church. I never, I didn't know any Christians. I didn't, <laughs> look, nobody was quote-unquote guilt-tripping me. I didn't need anybody to talk to me about sin. I was living it. I was perpetrating it. I was, you know, up to my, I was over my nose mm. in it, right? Mm. And so, and so the breakdown for me was, Take a good look at the mess you are, dude. And it wasn't anybody telling me this. See, that's the, to me, John, the kicker was waking up, really waking up to mm-hmm. what I had become. Uh, I wrote a song called Paint a Picture years ago on a Res album, uh, Rainbow's End, the second Res, Resurrection Band album. And one of the lines, or a couple of the lines were, hating who you are and what you've made of yourself, not forgiving yourself mm. for you. Yeah? What was I trying to prove running from you? I mean, that, that, that's it. That, that was me, exactly, right? So I think that the, the simple answer in one sentence, if you really begin to see yourself in all of your mm. filth and your sin, I don't, you don't have to have been the, the mess I was <laughs> in the specific areas mm-hmm. I was to realize you ain't, no such and much. You ain't God. Wake up and smell the coffee. I mean, it, it, just, mm-hmm. it just, we are so insufficient in ourselves. Yeah. I think that's where humility starts kicking in. I think that's where humility starts yeah. kicking in. Yeah. I think so, for sure. And, and that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. And, uh, and, you know, gives us forgiveness and gives us a new identity and, and gives us uh, a love for uh, others. And, and uh, the beauty is if you've been, if you've been low, if you've been down, 
then um, you're you're Rick, you're right there with every, the rest of humanity. You're looking across at everybody, <laughs> looking down on well, that's, everybody. That's it. There's an old there's an old uh, spiritual that uh, uh, Grace and Gloria group we had for years, uh, largely white, but you know, black white mixed gospel group, and they they did a song. Mm-hmm. He came down down to take away the sins of the world. And, of course, Philippians, uh, Paul mm. writes about, you know, Jesus and Colossians. He came down. He, in Philippians, he, he emptied himself. God literally mm. took the form of a man. I mean, all the temptations, all the pain, m- more rejection than any single other person has ever experienced, and yet sinless. He, I've earned it. You know, we've all earned it, man. We we. The wages of sin is death, and we've all sinned, and man, we have done it and done it. So I know I think, I think, realizing within the church, no matter what form or you know, denomination, independent, uh, from the from the hardcore fundies all the way to the flaming charismaniacs to the to the high smells and bells liturgical to the house church, you know, shake it up any way you like, humility. Mm-hmm. Realizing that we are every bit as much in need of the of the moment by moment grace of God, the unearned, unearnable favor, the, the grace, the compassion, the mercy of God. Every moment we are as as much in need of that this very day than when we first came to believe. And and as you've widely mentioned before, in, and I've been screaming this for years, John. Information mm. does not equal transformation. The, oh. Having the right, having the right words, the right doctrine, the theology—I mean, really understand, really getting it. I don't mean, you know, just sh- in a shallow sense, being able to memorize and 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 quote, you know, scripture or deep theology or the, the biblical Greek or Hebrew. So what? The devil, the devil can do that. The, the question is, yeah. and he does. The question is, <laughs> what, what sort of relationship yeah. do you have with Jesus? Do you know God? Are you at peace within yourself? Are you confessing your sin? Are you in relationship with God and others? Mm-hmm. Are you for real? Do you look people in the eyes and speak from the heart? What's your day-to-day life mm-hmm. about? And instead of caring mm-hmm. about what God thinks, and reaching out in love to others, again, we build the castle with the moat. We make these sharp judgments. I mean, I, I laugh when, you know, we Protestants want to harangue the Catholic Church. How many popes do we have in the Protestant Church? How, how many how many of us walk mm-hmm. around with an attitude and a chip on our shoulder, and we wonder yeah. why younger people say, these people are idiots? I don't want anything to do with them? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Information does not equal transformation. Uh, gosh, that's so good. We're almost out of time, Glenn, but tell us, because we're talking, uh, it's so amazing you brought up transformation. We're talking a lot about that um, these days. And uh, what can you come up with something that would equal transformation for us? Yeah, what would yeah. you say? Mind, mind, mind renewal. Yeah, Paul Paul says it pretty plainly. Be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Mm. Yeah, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I mean, how do you think? Are you thinking God's thoughts? Well, what are God's mm. thoughts? Now we start to have to deal with things like script. what is Scripture? What really is the Word of God? Is it what I think? Or is it what the scriptures teach? Which scriptures? The Bible? What? And now you have to wrestle with that. And I won't even I won't even argue on the issue of inerrancy. To me, that's a moot. That's not even worth talking about. It, to me, uh, I read the, mm-hmm. the Bible daily, mm-hmm. and have for forty six years. And I absolutely believe what Jesus said, Paul, the rest, the Old Testament, the New. I really believe it is the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. But it's 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 relationship with the author of the words. It's it's day to day, daily, and and I think until you begin to think more and more and, and apply again with faith and hope, and you learn from the, the wisdom of the Scripture what love means and how to love God and love your neighbor and receive love as well as give it. I mean, you can't give what you don't have. Uh, Charlie Peacock wisely said, uh, you know, we only possess what we experience. And it's that that transformation happens in experiencing and walking daily with God, listening as well as talking to him and, you know, reading his words, studying to show yourself approved, and and then applying. I mean, do we have a problem with love? Sure we do, because love involves pain and sacrifice and personal cross-bearing. And I think, again, this is the stuff that the church doesn't want to hardly talk about. And we're so worried about numbers mm. that we're not, we don't care about mm. the people. I mean, we're so worried about quote-unquote success. I mean, it's, come on, man. <laughs> Israel, was, Israel was the runt of the nations, and that's, I mean, he leaves, Jesus leaves in 99 and goes after the one. I mean, our whole concept of success gets crazy. So I think transformation, it comes down to personal relationship, 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 you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and there's, there's mm-hmm. no other simple way to say it. One last question, Glenn. What do you think about um, millennials, uh, the, the young people today? And, and do you, do you, do you see something happening and, and what would be uh, your advice to them? Um, and in terms of maybe wanting to see uh, a new a new Jesus movement um, for today. Well, if if you profess to be a Christian and you're in that age group, uh, maybe a little younger or a little older, but in that ballpark uh, demographic, I would say be very careful because in 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 Galatians chapter five, when you read about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and what I would call the unfruit, the, the, the old nature, the old man, the fruit of the flesh, mm-hmm. the way people that don't know Jesus think and act and live, think of those character problems, as well as the grace of God in the, those nine fruits of the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, so on. Mm-hmm. You, never, you never see cynicism, cynicism, uh, pessimism, as a fruit of hmm. the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't say that there isn't room for doubt or concern. I mean, in this, in this, mm-hmm. in this very discussion, I've mentioned a pile of stuff you can be very sad, upset, angry, and, and a bit freaked out about. So I get that. 
I, I mean, lament is lament because of pain, sin, violence, enemies, craziness in the world, chaos, okay? But I'm saying you can't camp in, live in cynicism and come away with faith, mm-hmm. hope, and love. It's just, they're just mm-hmm. on opposite ends of the spectrum. And, of course, our faith has to be in the, the risen Jesus Christ. It has to be in the person of God because he alone is perfect, sinless, flawless, and unchanging. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, he's perfect and unchanging. We're not, so we've got to change. We have to grow and change. And I just think that the, the, the danger for millennials is being so fed up with people lying to them, playing games, um, mm. you know, throwing out garbage in, in the media and social media and so on. It's, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all reality TV, which is about as unreal as it can get. And, and so, I mean, it's easy, I think, for folks to become really pessimistic. And uh, mm. Mm. that's, that's going to kill you. That will destroy you in the end. There's no hope in that. Wow. So guard against pessimism and cynicism. Um, yeah. And cynicism. Cool. Yeah, and learn to trust. Wow. You've got to stick your knee on the block and reach out in faith to him. You have to be willing to pay the price. Jesus says if anyone comes after me, they must deny themselves. And sometimes that means denying yourself that, that bitterness and that anger and that fear to the point mm. where you're not moving. The book of Acts is a book of action, not because mm-hmm. they weren't about to, many of them get martyred, but because they were willing to really follow Jesus regardless of the cost. Mm. Fantastic. Glenn, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for your thoughts. If it's it's anything good, give glory to God. If it's goofy, it's me. (laughs) Blame me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to hear. It's so good to hear from you. And, um, I'm just I'm just blessed by your life and by the way you keep on going and uh, your faithfulness and consistency are, um, are are just fantastic. So thank you, my friend, and keep on. Well, back at you, keep my on brother. Keeping on. Back at you, my. Back at you, John. I'm going to finish with one statement <laughs> made by a friend of mine named John Fisher. He once wrote in CCM magazine talking about the Jesus movement. <laughs> uh, ready? We used yeah. to make history. Now we're making a living. Um, I think we should I think we should get back to making history and really really learn to, to walk with Jesus. Well thank you, Glenn. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Love My to your pleasure. wife. Family, all the people uh, you're that, working with there, encourage them from us. And uh, let's thank you, you. Yeah, let's keep going. God bless you. Bless well, there you, you go, Thanks. folks. Thank you, thank you. How was that? That was wonderful. Thank you for following, and uh, we uh, we hope you stay stay tuned. That you come back for more. Um, it's a it's a new age, but it's the same old truth. And uh, it's God's at it again, just because uh, I love that 
definition of the Jesus movement is Jesus moving. And he, he's been moving all along. So let's find out where he's moving now, today, in our life and uh, in the lives of people around us. Let's be a part of what God is doing in the world. Let's join him and, uh, and be a part of the answer. Uh, super. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>